Hello and welcome to the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Scott San Amaterio, the CEO of Ball Street Trading. Scott, thank you very much for coming on. Before we get into this episode, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at BettingPod, and check out the website, businessofbetting.com. Guest suggestions are much appreciated. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Betfair Proprietary Limited. Betfair operates a betting exchange and is licensed in the Northern Territory of Australia. Residents of Australia can join Betfair by visiting betfair.com.au and support this podcast by using promo code BOBPOD. Please gamble responsibly. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Business of Betting podcast. Today I'm joined by Scott San Amaterio, the CEO of Ball Street Trading. Scott, thank you very much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Jake. I've been a big fan of the pod and excited to be on. Awesome. And I'm guessing some people have heard about Ball Street Trading, but maybe not enough from your perspective. So <laughs> before we get stuck into that and what your plans for the future are, why don't you tell us your background a little bit and, and how you got involved in, in Ball Street Trading? Yeah, sure. So and when I look back at, at the driver of Ball Street and the seeds of the concept, it probably goes back to when I was much younger. Uh, you know, growing up, me and my friends would, we were maybe 12, 15 years old. And whenever we would get together, we would literally bet on everything. And it wasn't like we were betting on sports like the Mets or the Yankees or the Giants game. Uh, instead, we were betting on cards, on video games, on literally home run derbies that we would have in each other's backyards. And from there, I think the idea of having control over exactly what I was betting on was something that was always ingrained in my mind. Um, as I got a little bit older, I got involved into poker. So when I was in my 20s, I uh, probably spent way too much time playing party poker back in the day. And you know, look back, that, that was an amazing time. And poker instilled even more that if I had control over when I was putting money into the pot or, or, or not being involved in those particular hands, um, it was more interesting to me than just putting 20 bucks on the Jets to win the game. So the idea of Ball Street, then, when I couple that with my experience professionally, um, I've spent the last 15 years in investment banking um, with a trading background, began to meld those together and build the, the foundation of what Ball Street is today, where players ultimately have total control whether they want to buy or sell specific teams based on win probability. So we've gone and created a marketplace where players will join, they will compete against other players all in real time. Uh, and ultimately trying to define which team they think will win based on the information that they have because they're literally watching the game in real time. Curious, throughout your investment banking days, I, I remember reading Joe Peter's book. Pretty recently I read it again, and he talks about some of the stuff that was going on, I believe it was back in the Goldman days when he was on, uh, I think he was I think he was working in New York and talking a lot about how they had season-long NFL season win pools in a trading sense where you could move in and out of positions and then take different positions throughout the season and some of this type of stuff. Was there any of that back in your time? I mean, we had lots of different things that we would do on the desks. Um, nothing where it was more season long. If anything, it was much shorter duration stuff. Um, I remember back in the day we used to have, instead of doing boxes on Super Bowl Sunday, there would be a big group of us and we would literally have one of us be the specialist for that specific day. And we'd be able to buy and sell uh, the win probability 
of the of the Super Bowl. So as you know, the score was going up for one team, so should the price. And obviously, as the other team uh, would be getting sold off because you know they threw an interception or their quarterback just got hurt. So does the current sports betting offering, and I'm not sure if you've done too much in New Jersey or you've you've probably done research. In any case, the typical just betting minus one ten or something similar on a side. Does that appeal to the investment banking types? Are they, are some of them just interested in getting some action down, and that's fine? Or are a lot of them thinking, you know, I'm working with this within this comprehensive trading environment. I want to have something similar where I can, similar to my day to day job, where I might be in investment banking, have some type of sporting realm to that. Sure. So when I think when we when we think about like the negative one ten context uh, as a much broader conversation as far as where we're all heading in the industry. I think that's probably going to be one of the first things that's going to have to go away. And I think when we get more towards a percentage or an implied odds way of looking at things, uh, that will lead itself into more of a market format as far as you know. I guess the, the financial people. Um, there's a number of them on Twitter. A number of them that I've been able to and lucky enough to speak to over the past couple of months that we've been pushing out our project where. We believe that this is all eventually going to get into a market format, um, something along the lines of the NBA clearinghouse, where simply you'll have the MGMs of the world acting as a broker dealer, clearing buying buyers and sellers, matching them up where you're buying the Lakers at 56 and someone is selling them um, you know, at, at 57. Things like this are, I think, or hope, where this is all ultimately going to beget because there's nothing more efficient than a market. When we think about the way that the industry is set up and has been set up is where you have everything centralized with a specific bookmaker and they're taking a spread of anywhere from five to even 20 percent on what would effectively be a pick'em because of you know a whole number of reasons that they're putting these particular lines out there. So I think when the industry begins this evolution over the next couple of years, um, where they should be going is a market concept. And I think part of what we're trying to build with Ball Street is a first step in that direction. Um, it's certainly where we're investing our time, our energy, and our money on where we think the market should go. I think with us and a lot of these more financial people who think that the industry as a whole should evolve and, and follow a blueprint of financial services, the fear is that the you know the incumbents to this particular market are ultimately you know trying to create a legal version of what exists today in their existing framework instead of seeing a much bigger picture of what could be and a vision that creates a new industry bigger than I think what anyone could really quantify at this particular point. You know, the, the fear is that they're so short-sighted that they're going to shoot themselves in the foot and they're going to kill us when the gun goes off because they're trying to keep this house mentality of here's the inherent um, advantage that we're going to take because we're the ones, quote-unquote, putting up the risk as opposed to creating a much bigger infrastructure where we're simply matching buyers and sellers and taking a much smaller percentage. It's much easier, even if you want to go back to the 110, where you have 102 versus 98 on uh, an ultimate pick'em. But I think that when we think about a much broader generalization of who the customers could be, um, trading 51 by 49 is certainly much more approachable. Yeah, interesting. So, putting aside Ball Street for now, or any other exchange-style wagering or platform or concept. Do you think just the idea of the trading style with 49.51, as you just said, can work for everyone or the broad marketplace? And I don't know what it's like in, in finance at the moment, whether you know E-Trade or some of these others have widespread general adoption or they're still not necessarily niche, but not you know generally across the public. How do you feel on the sports betting side uh, from that side of things with the, 
the trading platform and its applicability across all of the marketplace or a vast majority? Yeah, I mean, I, I generally think it's going to take a little bit of time. I think part of the growing pains that we've experienced at Ball Street is that people like the concept, they enjoy the concept, but begin to pull a little bit back when they get themselves to really consider it as a means of gaming. Um, I think that on some level, it is a relatively sophisticated and complex idea to begin to think about games or, or gambling in a market context. Um, but you know what we've done is is really try to go with that head on and create as approachable a software as possible. So we we want to really gamify that experience, which we think will be more inviting to those people to ultimately get them up that learning curve. The the ability for us to to offer this out to as many people as possible, um, you know, gives us hope that once people give us an opportunity to at least experience sports in this market concept they'll get up that learning curve pretty quickly. For us, we've been telling people, give it one game. You know, give it 20 minutes to understand exactly how this works and tell us then if you, if you like it or, or you still hate it. And most people come back, get that light bulb moment and say, you know what, this actually fits and is actually quite fun. So for us, you know, we understand that this is probably going to take a little bit of time to fully educate everyone on this concept. But when we look forward three to five years, I think we're also looking at a space or a group of people in the U.S. who have now gone through the crypto boom. So you're talking about a group of you know, 15 to 25-year-olds who probably have a Coinbase account, probably have a Binance account, and understand a little bit more about markets than probably 10, 10 years ago, people their same age because they've traded Bitcoin, they've traded Litecoin, and you know, they know exactly what these markets are ultimately doing. Um, plus, we have you know, simple ways that people can educate each other through the Internet in different forms where we think that people will be much more likely to try this type of concept um, once we get that core of probably more analytical or cerebral type players on it to create more of a rational market so that when the first time player jumps on, they understand that, you know, Tom Brady and the Patriots get the ball at the 20 yard line and they're now moving down the field. They can understand and see the correlation of why that price is going up as the Patriots are continuing to drive and score that touchdown. Yeah. So to run us through in a little bit more detail about the marketplace and the platform that you're you're building and, and how you see it once it's ultimately ready for the for the wider public. Can you just go into a little bit more detail around that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, Wall Street trading is a, a real-time peer versus peer prediction market that creates the ability for people to trade the win probability of any live event. Uh, markets for a team will trade from 0 to 100, so a price of 75 would mean that the market thinks that that team has a 75% chance to win. At the end of the game, shares of the winning team value at 100 and shares of the losing team value at 0. So much like an option would trade, you're either in the money or out of the money. So we've created a tournament structure for each live event. So for an NBA, NFL, or even one of the dozens of NCAA games, NCAA games that are coming up, uh, players would register and enter that game, um, and then they would be able to watch the game and trade it all in real time. We start every player with a portfolio of assets, so we give each 100 shares of each team and some virtual money, um, and then we let those traders basically trade against each other for the best P&L. Much like a poker tournament where players start with the same amount of chips, it's very much the same idea that everyone starts with from the same place, and it's up to each trader to outtrade the market. Uh, the market pricing is completely driven by players in the game, so it's basically the buyers versus the sellers for what the price should be at that particular moment in the game. So it comes down to how well you can read the game and get in front of a big rally or make a good decision on when to buy or sell shares of a team based on what's happening in the market itself. It's not enough to simply buy the winning team. Their strategy and gameplay that really goes into the real-time nature of this, um, and we think that that deeper 
ability to engage with those games and those markets is ultimately going to be what people really enjoy and hopefully will bring people back with you know conventional betting and and dfs once the game starts you're locked up so we're giving the players an opportunity to actually play alongside the events that they're watching you know our goal for this is to really use it as a tool to hopefully engage with fans as they're watching and being a part of these live events whether it's a baseball game or a basketball game or even doing some non-sports tournaments with game of thrones where we're going to allow players to trade the final season based on whether players are going to live or die and how how likely they are going to be to actually win the iron throne at the end of the season um, we think that by gamifying this and trying to bring a little bit of fun alongside this gaming i guess definition that sometimes we we, we fall into um, we, we think we're going to be able to open up this experience of being part of that winning game um, to a lot more people. That gaming definition part jumps out to me with my background. The, I guess take us through your thought process as things have progressed from your side. And obviously May last year we had the fall of PASPA here in the U.S., which has opened up the ability for states to, to legalize and regulate different types of sports wagering depending on the state. Take us through pre-PASPA and your thought process back then, and then once it changed and how you're seeing the state-by-state rollout. Is there a state that jumps out to you as a perfect state to operate on a paid, typical real money offering versus potentially coins versus potentially the DFS path and contests? There's a lot to digest within all that, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, so PASPA repeal for us has been a love-hate relationship because going into this when we built out this concept and built out the rules. It was one part to defend against all of the the fight that DFS was going through, um, all the UGA stuff. And, and, you know, we still stand firm that our platform is not gambling. It's a skill-based competition. We've gone through and removed any level of chance playing a role in any outcome. So for us, it's more about trying to educate people of what the platform is and what the platform isn't. Uh, you know, that eye test is, is clearly one that we probably fail um, when people want to define us as a gambling app. And then I think when we discuss a little bit more detail of specifically what we are and what we do, um, I think we begin to take multiple steps away from being labeled as a uh, quote unquote gaming app in the conventional sense of, you know, sports gambling. Um, as far as where I think all of this goes from a state by state basis, you know, this is the issue that online poker has been fighting this from a sports betting perspective has been going a little bit faster but we're in a position now where each individual state is making up their own definition of what they're going to allow and i think the problem is is that this is more of a legislative issue where you have these lobbyists and these entrenched uh, incumbents in the industry really defining policy and for us as a startup trying to get into this space especially in or under that gaming definition, it's quite difficult. So for us, we've identified over the last couple of months that trying to fight the good fight against, you know, the DraftKings and FanDuel's of the world for a little slice of New Jersey isn't something that we're likely going to be able to survive. So we've taken a step back from the conventional gaming path, at least for now, and we are going to market ourselves more as uh, a video game and a tool that brands, venues, and media outlets can use to engage with players in real time because there's really no way that these brands can can touch the players who are watching that Mets game or watching these NCAA game tournaments. Um, and we think our platform is an interesting way to do that because our players will literally have the app open the entire time the game is playing and we can inject messaging or different ways to, to engage and interact with those players 
all in real time, whether it's an injury or a timeout. We think that creating this engagement tool and using it as more of a marketing play um, is, is something that will hopefully be a little bit more uh, lucrative going forward than trying to fight, you know, quote unquote, the good fight. Obviously, as we get a little bit down the line, we'd love to be able to put ourselves into a position where we can monetize through a real gaming system where it would look much like any other poker tournament or any other DFS contest where someone can come in. You would pay your 20 plus four. Uh, that $20 goes into the prize pool, and then we can just allocate that out based on whatever win or prize structure we have set up for that particular contest. Okay, interesting. So it's not a place to put your $20 down and then step aside and watch the game, and if you win, go back and collect your you know, $39 or whatever it might be. It's It really is a tournament-style, contest-style where you need to be engaged for the entire length of that contest or tournament. For now, yeah. So part of what we're trying to do is obviously create new features where we could have shorter duration markets where players could come in and you and four other friends or you and four other guys could play a five-person market and you could play for 30 minutes, as an example, and we could have a timer ticking down so you guys would jump in intra-game and, and create mini tournaments inside the much broader marketplace itself. Uh, as far as the full game tournaments, uh, that's exactly right. We're creating the contests where it, you know, when the market opens, so when the market closes and the game ends, we're just collecting the, those players with the best PL and we're going to pay them out. For us, it's it's a contest sweepstakes model where we're going to be paying out real prizes, real real money prizes to those players who finish in there based on uh, hold. You know, the higher the profile game, obviously, the higher the prize we're going to be able to give out there. Uh, we're going to be bringing on partners and sponsors to help create those incentives to drive that player uh, to drive that player pool. So March Madness is right around the corner here in the U.S., and as people know, there's a lot of games going on, some at different times, but some are clearly overlapping. Just take us through the experience that you're hoping the user will have or want to have this March Madness, and then maybe next year or the year after. What do you expect, uh, if, if things go well, what type of experience will they be having in a couple of years' time? Yeah, so I think at least for the first couple of rounds when you have all of the chaos going on with all of the games being played over that Thursday through Sunday, uh, it'll feel much like what we had this past NFL season with Red Zone, where you'll have many markets open at the same time where you'll be able to bounce back and forth for those markets and buy and sell teams based on what's happening in the game itself. For us, uh, we're going to try to highlight some of the more marquee matchups, some of those bigger name schools, and certainly those games which are on the big network so we can give the national audience an opportunity to to play that game together and as the tournament rolls on those games won't overlap as much and then we'll be able to really prioritize those games on our nightly schedules behind all of that we'll, we'll have some nba games and uh you know with the ultimate end goal is having games every single day of the of the calendar so that when players get onto the app there's a, a contest for everybody so is it better suited to specific sports or specific you know, like NFL Sunday, for example, when the one one o'clock Eastern games kick off, and it it is a similar kind of madness, but it's it's less hectic, I would say, in many respects, given the typical NFL game might go for three and a half hours. Do you think there's a, a target sport or a group of sports that you can hone in on, or is it really across the board? I think it's across the board, but like you said, every sport is going to trade a little bit different. Certainly, an NFL game is a little bit slower than an NBA game, and an NBA game is a little bit slower than an NCAA game. Um, we're going to also be doing markets for the masters. So golf is even another layer of a much slowed down and methodical pace to how the market will trade out. Certainly as we get closer to, you know, Sunday and they go into the 16th, 17th, 18th, there's probably going to be a lot more volatility in a PGA event, uh, much like you would see the volatility in the last five minutes of an NCAA game. So a lot of this, we're still learning as we go to sort of see how the markets react to the different 
types of sports and, and the speed of which those sports ultimately play because you know in the nba everyone goes on a run and if a team's down by 10 in the third quarter next thing you know you have a 15 point run and that market just moved 30 percent and that's where we think the fun of this is, is we've really created volatility in a box for everyone and if you're there watching that game you could be a part of that rally too yeah so i i'm thinking about the user experience how do you anticipate people will utilize ball street in an ideal world will it be you know, they'll take their phone out like they do now every 5, 10, 15 minutes to check stats. They'll also check their Ball Street account and maybe see something on the screen where they want to trade in or trade out of a position. Or if it's golf, for example, if it's the Masters, you know, Sergio hits it in the bunker to the other bunker, then he goes in the water and he has a 9. Someone might think, you know what, Sergio's had a 9. He's either going to capitulate and have a 3 or 4 more bogeys or he's going to have a few birdies to try and make that up. I think I'm going to buy in and out of Sergio. How? Take us through how you think that'll evolve. Yeah, so I mean, the ultimate goal would be literally have our screen be the second screen to any live event. So as they're watching the game unfold, what we want them to be doing is opening up the app and seeing how the market is reacting to that and then making a decision based on that. For the NCAA, hopefully there'll be lots of games going on. So as they get to go through three or four games at once, uh, that will create really an immersive experience and be a part of those games itself. And interesting, two years ago, we ran a, a test market for a different version of Wall Street, and I don't know if you remember when Jordan Spieth went into the water um, on 13, and at the time, he had like a five-stroke lead in the market, was trading at around 92 for Jordan to win the tournament. By the time he left that hole, he was trading at 45, so all within a five-minute span, you just saw that market completely sell off, and that was one of those light bulb moments for me, like, wow, this is really something that's that's interesting, and the people who enjoy golf, people who enjoy betting a little bit, and people who enjoy markets are certainly going to be interested in having this as a companion to these events that they're watching and tell me about game of thrones how does that fit into all this yeah so game of thrones we're excited we we want to try to bring this platform to non-sports as best we can and i keep telling our guys we're only really limited by the creativity for what type of markets we can put up there so with game of thrones there's going to be the six episodes we're going to open this market in the next week or two we're basically asked the question who's going to win the iron throne uh, and the winner of the Iron Throne will ultimately value at 100 at the end of a six-week market. It will be one long six-week market that will be in real time. So if you want to trade during the episode, before the episode, after the episode, you can trade whenever you want. Um, and as people are more likely to die or basically step away from the crown, you would expect to see those shares sell off. And as people advance or win a big victory, you expect to see those shares go up. I think part of it is just the way to, again, engage people during these live events and be part of that conversation. Because I think over the next couple of weeks, we're really going to start to see that uh, that campaign really heat up and everyone's going to start talking about that. So for us, we're excited to be a part of it and, and hopefully be able to uh, to create a different experience than people are used to. So a question I never thought I would ask on this podcast is, I guess that would then apply to Big Brother, The Voice, even The Bachelor and all those type of shows, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. We'd love to begin to ultimately have a, a quote unquote TV vertical where we would have um, reality TV or even open questions to things that we think would engage people, even if it's pop culture. But absolutely The Bachelor, op, absolutely Survivor, things like that where the outcome isn't necessarily known. And, you know, we know that there are spoilers out there, but that's part of the game, part of the market that, you know, especially with Game of Thrones, we know HBO is known for putting out false information. So it'll be interesting to see how the market reacts to some of that stuff that gets leaked. In Daily Fantasy, I know that you know it seems like there's a bit of a, a distance between those winning a fair bit of money and those putting in the time to have better lineups, essentially, versus some who might just put in 20 bucks, 
spend 10 or 15 minutes having a look and then putting their team together. In terms of, you know, as you roll out your platform and, and marketplace, do you think there's going to be a massive advantage for those that have three laptops open, they're watching games on five different screens with Red Zone as well, and they're, shift, they're sifting through all the information on Twitter and everything else, and also trading versus someone who might be at a bar who might be watching all the games as well, but might be checking in every 90 seconds or 120 seconds? Well, I think when you think about the homework or the diligence that people were doing in DFS doesn't necessarily apply here because if you're watching a live game, it doesn't know how much homework you've done. If Tom Brady throws an interception, guess what? People are going to sell the Patriots. So as far as our marketplace, it's a place of perfect information because everyone knows the same amount at the same time. Um, I think there are certainly going to be different strategies that people are going to ultimately discover, and that might give them an advantage. Uh, certainly people who understand markets might have a little bit of an advantage, certainly in their first couple of games versus the person who maybe comes off the street not knowing anything. But we've really simplified how you interact with the market in a way that we think is approachable for everyone to get up that learning curve and be able to be competitive. You know, one of the things early on that we identified was you know, DraftKings and FanDuel's of the world came out with the uh, you know millionaire makers and these huge jackpot uh, ideas of we're going to make you a millionaire. So for us, we are going the complete opposite way where we're going to be doing a flat democratic payout where the top 20% of contestants will win the same prize. So if there's 100 people in the market, whether you're first or 19th, you're still going to win the same exact amount of money. And we think that will help engage players and sort of remove some of that sharp mentality or that shark mentality that you know, here are the, you know, quote unquote, best traders, and they are clearly have a huge advantage. We think we've really diluted that by creating this type of structure, which we really don't see too much out there, at least on a, a bigger scale with new concepts. So I know nothing about investment banking or how the trading community on that side of things would think about this type of marketplace and exchange. What are your thoughts on that? How do you think your peers and contemporaries in, in that space would potentially adopt something like this? The feedback that I've gotten from everyone that works in finance that I've been able to, to push this out has, has come back loving it. I, I think this certainly for them, uh, it's closer to home and it's something they probably understand more than that negative 110 idea. Um, I think there's a lot of people in the space or people getting into the space that still in general think a marketplace is a much better way that this industry should go. So people are certainly excited for these different types of uh, platforms and different types of innovation to ultimately get a, a shot for people to ultimately try. And I think, you know, over the longer run, it's going to be a flight to quality with a lot of this newer stuff that comes out over the next couple of years. There's a number of different market-type platforms that should be launching. And, you know, from, from my perspective, I'm interested in all of them because I do think that everyone will be in a much better place if we can get to a position where it's not just a bookmaker making a line of one, no, negative 110, uh, you know, plus 115. Um, this is, I think, where this all should go. Hopefully, we all get the opportunity for it to get there and let the market itself say that this is how they want to engage with sports from a gaming perspective. So what I, I want to dig into that a little bit about your thoughts about you know, typical wagering exchanges that, offer, that already operate and, and offer services around the world and also some of the new ones that are likely coming to the U.S. market. Do you see them as helping the overall growth in the marketplace exchange type industry for the U.S.? Or do you see them as competitors? Or, you know, how do you feel about that sort of next three to five years transitioning from really nothing on this side of things on the sports side to potentially having a number of different operators? Yeah, so I think 
I don't look at them necessarily as competitors. I think any platform that helps educate the the masses in general about a market format is a good thing. Um, and I think then ultimately those consumers will choose which format they enjoy, whether it's a short-term version like ours for one particular game or something along the lines of, you know, Betfair in Europe where uh, it, it's match betting, where they're literally just pulling buyers and sellers together and putting them together and taking a little piece off that. When you think of the way that that is set up in Europe, though, I, I don't know that that can survive in the U.S. I, I don't know that on one level, if we even remove all of the, you know, regulatory concerns that the CFTC might have with creating securities around contracts of, of sporting events, um, you know, it's not a very user-friendly platform. Um, I you know, used to work at Credit Suisse and have a lot of people over in London contact me after uh, I went live with, uh, you know, with Ball Street. And they basically came back and said, this is very similar to Betfair, but you're doing it in a much more interesting fan-friendly way. And, you know, with, with Betfair specifically, they're like, the only people on Betfair are old white guys. And, you know, I don't understand how they're really continuing to build out that platform the way it is. I mean, I've been on Betfair and I like to think I'm a relatively smart guy with, with betting background and, and a finance background. And it's a difficult platform to work your way through. So let alone having someone who has none of that background, how are they ever going to be comfortable putting actual money onto that? So I think what Wall Street does is it creates a first step into what will ultimately become that marketplace. Um, and, and I really hope that in time, uh, the industry lets these types of innovations ultimately bubble up to where the masses can at least have an opportunity to try it out and see if it's something that they'll adopt. Yeah, so take us through the, the user interface and the user experience, I guess, issues. How do you solve those? How do you change the mentality around what sometimes is described, and you just described it then, as very difficult user interface to to really engage the average or even sports fans generally? Yeah, so for us, it was pretty simple. It was, let's remove as many decisions as possible that the user has to make. The first iteration of Ball Street was literally an auction market where people put bids and offers, much like you would on an E-Trade account or you would on uh, you know, Robinhood. So we, we pushed that out there, and, and the initial pushback to us was we love the idea, we love the concept, but it's really complicated. There's just too much going on. So we began to think about different ways we can begin to, to simplify that experience. And what we've ultimately come out with now is an algorithm that creates liquidity uh, on both the buy and sell side to where this, the only decisions players have to make is whether they want to buy or sell shares at that particular point. So that was a huge step for us in really being able to communicate our platform and what we're trying to accomplish to players who have no idea what really the stock market is. So it, it's really asking a simple question is, do you think which team do you think is going to win? And if you think they're going to win, you want to buy. And it's literally one button that you now need to buy to be a part of that, hopefully, run or that rally for that particular team. So for us, it's all about simplifying and removing any and all decision making that has to happen to literally creating uh, a platform where it's it's a t couple of clicks and you're into your trade and you're now watching whether that team is going to run or that team is going to fall. Yeah, do you mind taking us through that a little bit more? So let's say there was a tournament or contest with 20 million people using it at once and you would say the liquidity problems have basically gone away at that point versus let's say 200 or 20 or 2000 or whatever the number might be take us through how you can solve that with with this algorithm and what you plan on doing in, on that front yeah so that's one of the the big things that we deal with now when we have some of these markets don't necessarily quote unquote fill up to mass critical where we think that the algorithm itself can 
can run on its own. So the algorithm works in an elastic way. So if there are 25 people or 100 people or 5,000 people, every aspect of that algorithm will be specific to the number of people and the amount of buying power and selling power in that market. So for us, if there are a short number of players, it's called 25 players in a market, uh, the spreads will be relatively wide. If you come into the platform now as one of the first people on, you'll see a $2 spread between buy and sell. If we ever got to a point where there were 20,000 people in the market, that would be a two-cent spread. So we are able to create uh, a marketplace that will fit with whatever type of audience we have on there. So obviously with more people, uh, our ability to give players much more buying power and our ability to tighten up those spreads. So you could literally be able to trade a dollar range um, in a game that's really, really tight in the NBA that's trading 50-51 versus you have a game that only has 100 people and it's a wild game where, um, you know, the scoring is going back and forth and that game is trading on a $10 or $15 range where literally teams are exchanging scores back and forth and that's trading from 40 to 70, then back down to 30, then back up to 80, you know. So for us, it's, it's, it's all about creating then that algorithm that will be smooth and not necessarily drive price in an unnatural way, whether there are only 50 people in the market or 50,000. Okay, that'll be interesting to see how that that rolls out and what type of experience it does have for certainly the smaller uh, pools where you might have only a handful of people. And I wanted to ask about that. Let's say I have 10 good mates of mine that are NFL fans and they all think they're better at understanding NFL and games and you know, we could probably place bets and decide who has more money at the end. But in this context and what we're talking about and your platform, what type of offering would you have for me and my nine other friends who are interested on one o'clock on Sundays on NFL? Yep. So for now, you can link your account on the platform itself and you can create a leaderboard for only you and your buddies. So you could very easily see which one of you is out trading the others uh, for that particular contest. A lot of the time you want it to be aligned and you all want to be on the same side. And then other times you want that competition and and you want to be able to see who's best. And it sounds like that's something that's going to be possible. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I look at it this way as far as I'm sure we all have it where we have the text chains with all our buddies going back and forth when these games are going on. And much like with Twitter itself, too, everyone has an opinion on what's going to happen in the game. What we've in essence really done is create a competitive way for you to say, I think the Rockets are going to win. They're down 15. I don't care if James Harden is coming back into this game and, and this is where they're going to make their run and I'm buying them and, and I don't care what anyone thinks. And this is the ultimate ego trip in the sense of I bought them at their low and now, um, you know, now I'm crushing this entire tournament. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me about a little bit on the marketing side. What have you thought through for the next sort of period of time here when we, when we talk about getting a critical mass of people to start using it and, and start feeling comfortable on the exchange. Yes, sure. So we are uh, we are just turning on our affiliate, which I think is a pretty default way most of uh, you know people in the industry are going about bringing people onto the platform. Uh, we are in New York, so we are going to be setting up different street teams and events around the New York Stock Exchange, around the Nasdaq, Times Square, and Grand Central for the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday here in New York. Uh, I have been enlisting a number of students at different big universities to have them as brand ambassadors and be able to hopefully drive the message and find those students who might want to, you know, engage in this type of platform, uh, hopefully across business schools and across fraternities, which will, which will hopefully drive engagement um, from that level. And, you know, beyond that, it, it's really trying to figure out exactly where the warm water is, because for us, it's 
a little bit maybe more niche in the first couple of months as far as the quote-unquote gambler versus the person who might understand markets a little bit more. But that being said, you know, it's, it's funny when a lot of my friends who aren't in finance come back to me and say, I really love this game. And it's sort of a little bit addicting because I'm now watching this game and I, I don't really even care what the score is. I care where the market is. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you mentioned New York. So is this somehow limited to the jurisdiction of New York or could it be across the U.S.? Can it be global? Are there any general restrictions that apply to, to countries or jurisdictions that you're aware of? So there are no restrictions for us since we are free to play. Um, so we are taking this certainly across all 50 states in the U.S. and anyone globally who wants to uh, engage with a live event here in the U.S., specifically you know, NCAA, NBA, or even the Masters or you know Game of Thrones certainly too, um, they certainly can come on and give us a, a chance and an experience. Once we get maybe down the road a little bit and begin to turn on that real money aspect, you know, those things will ultimately change with whatever the legislative landscape looks like at that particular point. But as of today and, and for the foreseeable future, anyone who thinks they're interested in being able to, to trade any of these games in real time is, is more than welcome and love to have them. So how would they go about that? Is it the mobile app? Is it online through you know, desktop or is it a combination of different ways on Android and everything else? We're everywhere. So if you want to get us for iOS and Apple, you can go right to the App Store, Ball Street Trading. Same for Android and Google Play. You just go into the App Store and search Ball Street Trading, download us. And if you're at home and want to play on your desktop, you can go to our website and there's a link that'll take you right into the exchange from there. I know a lot of people who like to sit on their couch with their laptop open, watch the game and, and be able to trade there with, uh, with the comfort of that being right in front of them. Yeah, no, I... I'm interested to give it a try, certainly on March Madness and then certainly on golf. Um, being on the couch, watching a few hours of golf, it's a lot of fun, but I can imagine with something like this and a second screen experience to fill in the gaps will also be will be very interesting. Before I let you go, what if people have questions for you or want to reach out? What's the best way for them to do that? Uh, they can reach out through our main website. Uh, there's a support link there that those emails will come directly to me. Also on Twitter, Ball Street app. Uh, they can hit me up, and uh, you know we're, we're happy to to learn as much as we can about people on the platform. Whether they have questions, we're happy to answer those. Whether they've been on the platform and have issues with it, we certainly want to learn about those. And even you know more so if they've come on and, and they like certain aspects of it, please let us know. You know a lot of this is still trying to grow and, and figure out exactly what people want to see because you know our list of features that we want to ultimately add continues to grow. And the more feedback we get, the better to to really hone in on specifically what we need to be, what we need to be focusing on. Awesome. Scott, thank you very much for your time. It's been a pleasure to chat. I certainly wish you all the best, and I'll be a, a user, and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. That's great. Thank you so much, Jake. This has been, this has been awesome.